Hello, and welcome to another riveting UMass IPM Fruit Loop, the audio component of the UMass Extension Fruit Team's Healthy Fruit Newsletter. Our goal is to keep you in the fruit production news loop. I'm Hawkeye, your host and master of ceremonies for today. Let's jump right in and check in on how degree days are moving along in Belchertown. Degree days reported begin March 1st and are calculated in NUA. As of April 26th, using a base of 43 BE, we have accumulated 304 degree days. Using a base of 50 BE, we have accumulated 148 degree days. According to the NUA degree days prediction, by May 3rd, that's next Monday, we will have reached 395 degree days, base 43 BE. Macintosh blooms should be occurring anywhere between 344 and 415 degree days, base 43 BE. Which reminds me, happy almost May Day. Current bud stages in Belchertown, Massachusetts, as of 26 April 2021, are as follows. Macintosh apple, early pink. Honeycrisp apple, pink. Gala apple, very early pink. Crispy pear, early bloom. Red Haven peach, bloom. We're just going to keep cranking right along and head into the upcoming pest events. When considering the following pest events, keep in mind we have accumulated 304 degree days, base 43 BE in Belchertown. European red mite egg hatch should be completing anywhere between 368 to 470 degree days. Green fruitworm flight should be subsiding anywhere from 267 to 499 degree days. Lesser appleworm first flight peak should occur anywhere between 364 and 775 degree days. Oriental fruit moth first flight peak should occur anywhere between 331 and 533 degree days. Paracilla first egg hatch should have already gotten underway and is expected anywhere between 174 degree days and 328 degree days. Are you noticing that this list is getting a little bit longer? We're getting into that time of year, right? There's more and more stuff going on. Red banded leaf roller first flight peak should be occurring anywhere between 232, 382 degree days. Spotted tentiform leaf miner sap feeding larvae should be present anywhere from 343 to 601 growing degree days. White apple leafhopper nymphs on apple should be visible anywhere from 302 degree days and 560 degree days. And finally, Macintosh Bloom should occur anywhere between 344 and 415 degree days. And those are all base 43 BE. We have one upcoming meeting. There will be a Bloom Time Fruit Team Virtual Twilight Meeting, May 6th, 2021, 5.30 p.m. Pre-registration for this event will be required, and anyone requesting pesticide recertification credits must participate in the periodic polls to show proof of attendance to the certifying agency. You know the drill. You can find the registration link by going to ag.umass.edu forward slash fruit and clicking on the events tab. After registering, you will receive a confirmation email containing information about joining the meeting. One pesticide recertification credit will be available. Next, we'll navigate the deep waters of how John sees things with the way I see it. Here we are at Apple Pink Bud four weeks after green tip. Not too speedy, eh? Those little fruit buds out there have endured some trying conditions, cold, wind, etc. Cold and wind can lead to desiccation. Are those fruit buds as tired as the rest of us? We shall see. Ugh, I'm right there with you, John. But John says he is still optimistic and even acknowledges how unusual that state is and that the potential for a snowball bloom of apple is certainly there. Peaches are in good bloom right now, but pollinating insects have been largely absent. Too cold, John says. Doesn't take much with peaches, though, to set a peach crop. 
He's predicting average apple full bloom early next week, beginning around May 3rd or so. An update from John here. During an orchard visit today, Tuesday, some damage to apple buds was noted. Not a complete evaluation, but there was some damage. John says he expects it might have been the result of temperatures in the mid-20s last week when apple buds were approaching tight cluster. Damage might have been in the 10 to 50% range based on those temperatures. We are not out of the woods yet. So much for optimism. John attended the Cornell New York Pink meeting yesterday via Zoom, yesterday being Monday at this point, and here are some of his take-homes. Dr. Terrence Robinson says precision pruning down to a desired fruit bud load before bloom is essential on biennial bearing varieties such as Honeycrisp to reduce seed numbers immediately. As soon as fruits start forming at petal fall, the seeds produce gibberellins, which can immediately inhibit flower bud formation for next year. By then, it's too late to prevent the biennial bearing cycle. Dan Donahue showed evidence that Prohexodium calcium applied during the pink bud stage reduced bitter pit in Honeycrisp apples in storage. Later applications of ProHexCal actually increased the bitter pit. Six ounces per acre, assuming tall spindle trees, is the ProHexCal rate at pink bud. Dr. Lelang Chang suggested on nitrogen-sensitive varieties such as Honeycrisp, earlier application of ground-applied nitrogen is less likely to end up in the fruit. So, the timing for that nitrogen application would be bud break to bloom, but not after bloom. Dr. Carrick Cox on scab and fire blight. John says, true to Carrick's form, he was kind of all over the place. But John thinks in New York, where they have documented fire blight resistance to streptomycin, multi-pronged approach to fire blight management should conditions warrant includes Cosimin, Actigard, Oxytetracycline, and Blossom Protect. John says, fortunately, here in New England, we don't appear to have fire blight strep resistance, so continue to use streptomycin during bloom when it's wet and warm, and follow the fire blight models. Oh, and the idea that fire blight requires wetness for infection might include high humidity only, not necessarily a wedding event. <laughs> That'll muddy the fire blight forecast waters. Dr. Jaime Pinero and his team here at UMass put up a lot of traps in 2021 for early season apple pests, including tarnished plant bug, European apple sawfly, and plum curculio. The Pinero lab conclusion is that the need for pre-bloom insecticide spray is rarely warranted, as trap catches were almost always below treatment thresholds. And that is how John sees it. time to dry off from the deep waters of how John sees things and head over to the couch because the doctor is in. Dr. Jaime Pinero, that is. Let's take a peek into the wide world of insects with this week's entomology psychology. Kicking things off in the land of the winged and crawly is this week's insect trap capture report. The weekly report of insect pest captures in monitoring traps at the Cold Spring Orchard in Belchertown, Massachusetts for the period of April 20 through April 26. There were zero tarnished plant bug, European apple sawfly, or plum curculio in the traps. There were eight oriental fruit moth. No tarnished plant bug activity was recorded this past week. Jaime and his team have deployed 243 white sticky cards in 23 Massachusetts orchards and 46 traps in two New Hampshire orchards. A few tarnished plant bug have been captured in Massachusetts locations, but none in New Hampshire. 
Not much to report regarding PC. The first Kirks are expected to start moving in this week. The first captures of Oriental Fruit Moth at Cold Spring took place on April 14th, and that was one male. The number of Oriental Fruit Moth captured this past week is eight in a trap. Biofix was set on April 26th at Cold Spring Orchard. Of the aphid species that can be found on apple trees, rosy apple aphid causes the most severe damage and is the most difficult of the three to control. The body of this aphid has a waxy coating and usually a slight purplish or rosy tinge. Egg hatch has already occurred, and that was between silver tip and half inch green. Nymphs feed on the outside of the leaf bud and fruit clusters until the leaves begin to unfold. Then they work their way down inside the clusters and begin sucking the sap from the stems and newly formed fruits. Their feeding causes the leaves to curl, affording the aphids protection from insecticide applications and some natural enemies. A cool, wet spring favors aphid development because it provides conditions unfavorable for parasites and predators of aphids. Oh, happy day. These aphids cause a decrease in tree vigor because of foliage loss and damage to the fruit through dwarfing, misshaping, and staining. The rosy apple aphid injects a toxin with its saliva that causes the leaf to curl and the fruit to become distorted. A single stem mother located on the underside of a leaf near the mid rib will cause the leaf to fold almost as tightly as the outer wrappings of a cigar. The presence of only a few stem mothers. Can we just pause here and reflect on the whole concept of stem mother? Because basically this thing vegetatively pops out babies without any need for actual breeding. And that just totally grosses me out. And the term stem mother is also pretty nasty too. Anyway, the presence of only a few stem mothers can cause a severe curling of all leaves surrounding an opening flower bud. Within such curls, ideal protection is afforded to the rapidly developing aphid. Cortland, Ida Red, and Golden Delicious are the varieties most frequently showing fruit injury. Fruit adjacent to rosy apple aphid colonies are stunted, puckered at the calyx end, and ridged like a pumpkin. Start monitoring at early pink, select five to 10 trees per block, Sensitive varieties such as Cortland, Ida Red, and Golden Delicious should be selected if present. For three minutes on each tree, count the number of fruit spurs showing curled leaves. The presence of more than one aphid-infested cluster per tree justifies an insecticide treatment to prevent fruit injury. Samples should be taken from the upper parts of the canopy on the inside of the tree where rosy apple aphid colonies are most common. Because the curled leaves protect the aphids, then the best control will be achieved with a systemic post-petal fall insecticide. The recommended insecticide is Movento at a rate of six to nine fluid ounces. For best results, tank mix Movento with a spreading and penetrating spray adjuvant. Time with the doctor is up, but don't worry. We still have diseases and a few other things coming up in this week's issue of the UMass IPM Fruit Loop. For example, diseases. The first thing we need to take into account when we're talking about diseases is what is the weather doing? We are actually still in the process of a drought. In fact, dry conditions persist across Massachusetts and much of the Northeast. In spite of the lovely rain we had a little while ago, the US Drought Monitor reports widespread abnormally dry conditions for Massachusetts with localized moderate drought, specifically in parts of Franklin, Worcester, Middlesex, and Essex counties. The Cape and Islands are currently escaping the water deficit. I took a look at three different locations across Massachusetts to see what exactly was going on with the water deficit. Belchertown, Massachusetts is down 4.13 inches from their average annual rainfall. 
Greenfield, Massachusetts, down 1.98 inches, and Lowell down 6.53 inches. Now, one of the things about these data sets is that Sometimes the locations are chosen because of the completeness of the data. While Belchertown and Greenfield are both orchard-centric towns, I'm not entirely sure how close to Lowell any of you all are. The weather station at the UMass Cold Spring Orchard has clocked 0.59 inches of rain since the last issue of Healthy Fruit was published with average temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Now, mind you, that was before the recording of this podcast, so whatever rain we got last night after Healthy Fruit was not taken into consideration with this report. Prior to the recording of this report, that was not enough rain to cause critical wash off, not enough time to cause fungicide degradation, but potentially enough heat accumulation to push out fresh susceptible tissue for tomorrow's, today's forecast multi-day infection event, which is to say that at the time of this recording, we are in the midst of a three-day apple scab infection event. News output is a little wonky, right now but update at the time of this recording new appears to have rectified the glitch in the scab forecast model Whew. i can and did share rimpro's forecast output with you as well and oh boy is it a doozy the weather forecast calls for lows in the upper 40s highs in the mid 60s to low 70s relative humidity to hit 50 percent around 9 p.m last night and we're expecting four nights and about two and a half days worth of rain. And if that doesn't spell apple scab infection, I don't know what does. RIMPRO concurs. In fact, RIMPRO is currently estimating that the UMass Cold Spring Orchard will see its first significant infection event, and that said infection event will be literally off the charts. If you consider that a rim of 300 is considered high risk, then off the charts, which is a rim in excess of 1200, must be sit down and buckle up risk level. The amount of rain in the forecast is not sufficient to cause wash off of existing coverage. However, the climatic conditions are such that over a three-day infection event, trees will be pushing out plenty of susceptible tissue that will not necessarily benefit from the redistribution properties of some fungicides. Get covered up ahead of this one if you are not already. Chances are, once the weather allows you to get in, a protective and a kickback material should be applied after this event in anticipation of the next infection event estimated to begin May 3. Another quick update here. The event scheduled to occur next week is not looking like it will begin until May 4 and will exceed the high infection risk mark. Luckily, we have a couple of relatively nice days in between those two significant events to get covered up. This week, a slight deviation from diseases we have our first unofficial notes from the field, and here is what I'm seeing. Gypsy moth caterpillars have begun to emerge in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Typically, these pests are managed by a virus that I'm really not even going to try and pronounce, but let's just call it MPV, and a fungus called Entomophagia mammasia, which is a fun thing to say. <laughs> the issue we may face this year is, of course, drought. Like many pathogens, these that affect young gypsy moth larvae require moisture to get the job done. When climatic conditions are not adequate to support these pathogens, gypsy moth can cause issues in landscapes and crops like blueberry and young apple trees. Given that last year was also a drought year, being prepared to manage these caterpillars if you see them ballooning into susceptible crops with a BT material while they are still small is a good plan. Not much to report for the horticult this week, but this week's issue did contain a link to a video wherein Dr. Poliana Francescata with Valent Biosciences talks about the physiology behind apple fruit thinning. Sorry folks, but you need to be signed up for the newsletter to access this link. This week's guest article is not really an article per se, but an update on NUA 3.0. It was written by NUA coordinator Dan Olmsted with the New York State IPM program. 
The Network for Environment and Weather Applications, NUWA, is an important resource in the IPM toolbox for growers. 2021 is bringing long-awaited updates and improvements that were designed specifically with grower needs in mind. This article will quickly get you started with NUWA 3.0 during this period of transition. Read more here. Now, mind you, here is a lengthy web address, which I won't read as it will do you no good in this particular format. However, you can go to blogs.cornell.edu website and search for NUA 3.0 to find all the great information you need. The next Healthy Fruit will be published on or about May 4th, 2021. In the meantime, feel free to contact any of the UMass Fruit team if you have any fruit-related production questions. Until then, stay safe and be well.